0: Welcome. I'm Anna.
1: And I'm Chanel Constance.
0: And you're listening to Ebony Musings. This literary podcast
1: was created to provide a safe place for Black women to discover wellness, balance, and self care through literature. Join us in conversation as we dive deep into the importance of self care balancing our lives, and how literature has played a big part in our own personal healing processes. Let the journey begin.
0: Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. I'm one of your hosts, Anna, And I'm Chanel Constance. On this episode,
1: we are continuing our discussion on self-healing with the Salt Eaters by Tony Kate Bambara. So the Salt Eaters is set in a town somewhere in the South. And this is the story of a community of black people searching for the healing properties of salt who wins an event that will change their lives forever. Some of them are centered. Some of them are off balance. Some are frightened and some are daring from the men who live off where for women to the mud mothers who carry their children in their hides. The novel brilliantly explores the narcissistic aspect of despair and the tremendous responsibility that comes with physical, spiritual, and mental well-being. The key words for this book is health, healing, ancestral meditation, illness, activism, and women's rights. Tony K. Bambara was born Miltona Merkin Cade on March 25, 1939, to Helen Brent Hennison Cade in New York City. For the first 10 years of her life, the family lived in Harlem, New York. Afterwards, the family lived in different locations around New York and New Jersey. She has stated that the environment she grew up in had a great influence on her writing style, and also that her mother, whom she was very close with, was her greatest influence and inspiration. She changed her name from Miltona to Tony when she was around the age of five, and in 1970, she entered Bambara, which is the name of a West African ethnic group. In 1959, Todi Cade graduated from Queens College with a BA in Theater Arts and English. In that same year, her first published story, Sweet Town was released and awarded the John Golden Award for Fiction. After her graduation from Queens College, Bambara spent some time traveling and studying in Italy and France before returning to further her studies in the United States. Bambara completed her master's degree in American studies at City College, New York in 1965 and taught in the SEEK, the Search for Education Elevation and Knowledge Program, which is called SEEK at City College until 1969. It was during this phase in her life that she, she began to embrace social activism and became involved in many other political causes such as civil rights and women's movements. She was a major feature in the black arts movement. Her 1970s anthology, The Black Woman featured work by Nikki Giovanni, Audre Lord, Alice Walker, Polly Marshall, and others, and became known as an important artist production of the movement. Bambara second, edited a second anthology, Tales and Stories for Black Folks, which was published in 1971. The next year, she published a collection of her own original short stories called Gorilla My Love. In this collection, she introduced what would be a recurring theme of her work, the importance of community, especially among black women. Bambara stated that the short story was her favorite mode of creative thinking. Between 1972 and 1975, Bambara traveled extensively. In 1973, she visited Cuba, where she worked with several women's organizations. The next year she took, she moved to Atlanta with her daughter Karma and took a teaching position at at Spelman College. In 1979, she went to Vietnam as a guest of the Women's Union and was deeply affected by her work there. Some of her stories in her 1977 collection, The Seabirds, Are Still Alive, were inspired by her travels in Vietnam. Van began working on her first novel, The Salt Eater. It was written in an experimental style involving a nonlinear narrative and a multitude of characters that many critics enjoyed, although some criticized it for it being overly complicated. The work received the American Book Award and the Langston Hughes Society Award in 1981. In the 1980s, Bambara continued to write and edit, but also returned to one of her previous passions, the performing arts. She worked as a writer and narrator of the Lewis Marsilla 1986 documentary, The Bombing of Osage Avenue, and continued to write books, including her last novels, Those Are Not My Those Bones Are Not My Child even as she was diagnosed with colon cancer in 1993. She succumbed to the cancer on December 9th, 1995, at the age of 56.
0: Wow, she has lived a life. Yes,
1: and fun fact, actually, Toni Morrison was an editor um, at the publishing company that uh, The Bones Are Not My Child um, was published, and she kind of helped to edit as best as she could, Um the story and they were also really great friends as well. Oh, that's awesome. They're really great friends. Wow. So it's just it seemed like all the, the great black woman writers were just all kind of just together, like Toni Cade Barr, Ida Lord, uh
0: Maya Angelou.
1: Yeah, all of them they, they used to either be at each other's houses doing like writing circles or mm-hmm. kind of doing um like a potluck or something.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: they were always together in community. And that's exactly what um, the salt heaters is about healing and being in community.
0: Mm-hmm. Has this book affected the way you go about dealing with the importance of wellness and self healing?
1: um I want to say that it brought a new perspective to mm-hmm. healing for me um because you know you just think of healing us is a linear experience. You get your Mm -hmm. help and, you know, you move forward. But with this book, it's definitely not that way. Um, I think um, this book really talked about healing, but in a way that also involved the community, Mm -hmm. meaning um, her doctors, her spiritual healer, her ancestors, You know, her spirit guides, always working together for Vilma to get better. So it's a whole community experience. You can't really kind of heal by yourself. So that's why when you go into recovery programs, you'll have support groups and you talk and you get support from therapists and other people that might be going through the same thing. So it's definitely a community effort. You can't really exist, exist inside of a vacuum. And especially as Black women, we really need a sister circle where you can feel safe Mm -hmm. and also where you can get healing whether it's in the medical arena in the church arena uh, maybe a sorority or a book club you just need that space that you can become whole
0: yeah I felt like um I got a different look of the process of healing you think example um I'm just going to go to my doctor I'm going to get some pills and I'm good or I'm going right. to go to my therapist, I'm going to go home, and then I'm good. And not realizing it's um, the people that you're surrounded by, um, your ancestors, and right. just, like you said, a community. It's it's not just, I'm just going to do this, and that. The, the healing process is more than just that, and that was one of the biggest things that struck me about this book, is like, I never been told or heard about the you know ancestors and let me explain it. like when when I say ancestors in I'm here I got my parents I got my siblings that's it right mm-hmm. but we never really mm-hmm. talked about those that came before us and right their processes so right understanding of how important to know about those who came before us and their processes and what they do and how they healed and all that that's important and i I know for a fact that I've missed out on that and that's something I want to change now that I have a child. I want to give her that. So based off of what I have, I've been telling her and I I didn't realize it until I read this book that I've been giving her or telling her stories about those that came before her. Right. And providing her the tools that she'll need to, you know, give to her children. So I think that that was one of the biggest things that Um, stuck out to me in this book and how important that was. Right. So piggybacking
1: on your point about just remembering your ancestors, you can remember your ancestors by doing a family tree or going on ancestry.com, asking the elders about different um, ancestors, because you really need to know like, how did, how did they live? How did they get through hard times? Mm -hmm. Um, What did they do when different obstacles came their way? Where did they find their happiness right. you know what i mean what was their hobbies what what job did they have those things are so important and you can you can apply all those lessons and learn from them and be a better person also um just that in African culture and mm-hmm. religion in general they really really um put ancestors in very high esteem mm-hmm. so in some In some African ancestral religions, they actually honor and worship their ancestors, meaning that they give them like an offering Mm -hmm. and ask for their guidance in different ways, either through their spiritual healer, advisor, or just through other avenues. And the thing is, to just to know is that our ancestors are always with us. And we just have to kind of either search, like seek them through other family members by telling stories, like them telling stories and other things, reading about them in the family, you know, heritage book, or like that big Bible. Right. Because <laughs> I have that Bible, <laughs> the, the big Bible with the family tree, or just if you really wanted to, to go on another level, um, kind of do, doing um, ancestor veneration, through different types of African ancestral religions. Gotcha. Which is also a um a way that that Velma actually was healed. Mm-hmm. How does Bell Hook Sisters of the Yams and Toni Cade Bambara, Salt the Salt Eaters, related? So remember, in the Sisters of the Yam books, she emphasized that even though there wasn't a lot of nonfiction books that really catered to Black women's healing and self-awareness. And just self help in general, we already had frameworks and maps in Black women's literature, mm-hmm. like Alice Walker, um, "The Color Purple," Toni Morrison's "Shula," this book, uh, "The Salt Eaters." Like, there's so many books that basically map out a Black woman's healing experience and journey. Mm-hmm. And you could take tidbits from those books and kind of bring it to your own life. With, for example, the "The, the Color Purple" told me. Basically taught me that even though so many bad things can happen to you, you can really heal yourself when you have when you have community and we have a lot of guidance and love. Mm-hmm. It's so important. Um, Lewis, I taught me that white supremacist thinking is everywhere in society. Yep, we don't take time to break down those social constructs which have nothing to do with you then you'll ingest them and you become colonized yourself like the like the 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 girl didn't even think she was beautiful she wanted blue eyes quote unquote to be beautiful but even when she got them you know symbolically she still wasn't satisfied right you know and that's a part of of white supremacy this gimme 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 uh you know uh like identity right you know so it's it's like this these types of books are really, really important.
0: Okay, what our listeners don't know is that Chanel is a genius when it comes to pairing books. So as you continue (laughs) to listen to more of our episodes, all these books that are being paired together and how they work together is all her. So kudos to you for picking, like, so far, the best books. Sisters of the Yam has been on my list, gosh, since I started Bookstagram. And if it wasn't for you, kind of like, hey, this is really good, you know, we could pair with this, then um, I probably wouldn't have never gotten to it, you know what I mean? So I just want to say I really appreciate you, and I love all the books that you have put side by side.
1: Well, thank you very much, and thank you for giving me the opportunity, because with you, I've been able to bounce off ideas, and you give me another perspective, and you encourage me to read you know? Anna has read over almost 200 books. (laughs) I'm still still trying to finish my (laughs) hundred.
0: I know. Well, officially yesterday I got to 301. What? Yeah, 300, 301 books. So I'm at the point where I'm reading a book almost a day. It depends on the book. Um, like what? So here's the thing: like when I first started Bookstagram, I was reading a book a week. And I was like cutting time, you know, between lunchtime while I was working um, in the evening. And I increased my book intake um, to like two books a week. And then just gradually over time and how I um, create my scheduling, I'm to the point where it's like almost a book a month. It just depends on the book. I'm really grateful for my job because um, if I'm not working on a special um, project or anything like that, I really do have a lot of time. If there's no cases coming okay. through or there's no meetings, I'm good. You know what I mean? So I use that time to read. So that's why I created the Bookstagram page, Never Without a Book. I'm always reading. I always have a book, either it's whether it's digital, audio, or a physical book. And when I have an open free moment, that's when I I, I read. So literally just over time, that has increased. I don't think, I don't feel like I'm a fast reader. It's just how I schedule it and how I work it into my day to day.
1: Hmm. I need to get on your level
0: for real. (laughs) Do you you even watch TV? Um, Do you even watch TV at all? I try to, I mean, I'm not really big on television. So um, on the weekends I'll maybe do like, I'll binge watch a show or something, but then I get bored really quickly so then I just jump back onto the books. I, I find the books more entertaining. But lately okay. there's been a few movies and shows that I've been really into. So yeah. Okay. So definitely I just
1: have to add add more more books to my reading stack. Yeah. Every other every other day. <laughs> if I can. Yeah. Which it's is so hard because I'm already I'm already reading so many.
0: Yeah, it's it's really about just the scheduling and working it into your day to day. So um, I used to just watch TV all day. Right. So I started to decrease my um television intake and increase my reading. So I, I okay. took away from one and then I added another. And it just literally over time, it, it doesn't even bother you no more. You won't even see it. It's just a oh, shoot, I just read three books and a week you know what I mean and people are su- shocked right. sometimes like you read 32 books in a month I was like yeah but also the books aren't like four or five hundred pages some are 200 some are 100 and plus some are audio audio books I can listen to at 2.5 speed but it also depends on mm-hmm. the narrator so it everything just varies but I, I honestly think um if people really schedule it and is make it uh make reading a priority and not a a chore, like make it part of your day-to-day, you can read a whole bunch of books. Yeah, I'm gonna try that. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna try that. So
1: what are some passages that you underline or that particularly affected you? So for me, basically the whole first chapter, she's asking, Do you wanna be healed for real? Because this is not for play play right. like a healing process is deep it's gonna hurt mm-hmm. it's gonna be it's just gonna be very difficult are you sure you want to do this right now by this time you know you see that Velma's not with it you know she tried to kill herself you know by by, by slitting her wrist mm-hmm. and putting her head in the in yeah. the oven and she gets here and you know she's not she's not with it she's totally out of it
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know and they bring in, you know, they bring in uh, the healer, and you know, she's really just like not really responsive to her right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think Minnie is trying to get her, get her attention, and also Minnie is also trying to reach her spiritually so that she can get healing. So this is, a, this is a quote Minnie said: "People come in here." Minnie Ramsey was saying moaning and carrying on and say they want to be well don't know what in heaven and hell what they want you know Mm -hmm. and then another quote she says just so you're sure sweetheart and ready to be healed because wholeness is no trifling matter a lot of weight when you're well so I think just with those two passages you know the author kind of sets the tone that healing is a major, major part of this book. Yeah. And it's kind, of, it's kind of also like a literary vehicle where we get to explore thoughts. This is kind of like a postmodern literature.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's, it's not... And she writes in a non-linear stream of consciousness type, type of way. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily, <laughs> necessarily like structured. So it's kind of like poetry, you know? Let's talk about Vilma, like the main character. Mm-hmm. She's kind of everybody's savior. You know, she's yep. a mother. She's a wife. She works on, I think she, she works as, a, as, as an activist. Mm-hmm. And she also is a performer in a group with her sisters. So she's being pulled all the way all over the place, right? Right. But where does she have a chance just to just to be, like, safe and sound herself? Where does she get a chance to relax? So, I think what Tony Bae Bombard, Kay Bombard is doing in this book is basically saying, you can't wear so many hats and not take care of yourself and not expect her to burn out.
0: Yeah, there's a, um, I felt like she really did emphasize the importance of self care, self love. Right. Taking care of you first, because if you can't function, how are you expected to carry everybody else?
1: Right. And it it seemed like you really have to look out for yourself because as you could see her sister, even though she did help, you know, it wasn't like they pointed her to the doctor, which they should have, or her husband who, you know, was trying to connect with her emotionally, but she couldn't, but couldn't. So he just like, okay, well, let me just have an affair. You know, it's just like, yeah, (laughs) it's just like everybody knew what was going on, but really didn't point her in the right direction. Right, and that's what's that's was that's what was kind of disappointing, and this happens in real life. Yep, you know, you know, as a black woman, uh, like myself, like you know, I'm a caretaker. You know, um, you know, I was working, um, going to church. You know, very involved. It was a lot. It Mm -hmm. was really a lot, and uh, I, I kind of lost myself Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: I didn't I didn't know how to cut it off. Like my mind was always racing. It wasn't really about like I just, I just wasn't making time for myself
0: mm-hmm.
1: and learning more about myself. And um, things got really difficult. And there's there's a couple of things that happened that happened where I was finally able to sit down and really take care of myself. Mm-hmm. You know, be able to uh, go to therapy, write out all my feelings, try mm-hmm. to integrate yoga into my life so I can think straight and also have you know another philosophy of just. Knowing how to let things go, read the Bible, you know, take my take my antidepressant medication so I can know how to withstand the anxiety and depressive episodes and all that. It takes a lot.
0: Yeah. But
1: I'm here and I thank God, you know, that I'm here. And the thing is, you need you need your family. Like sometimes I would even talk to my sister or my aunts, or my cousins, and that's my community. That's my family. Mm-hmm. If they don't know what's going on with me, how can they help? Right, you know, yeah. so you really have to be intentional, especially when you are struggling with mental illness, as me, to always have a supportive community around you. Yeah, it's so so important. Yep. Um, I wanted to read the. It's a quote. It's called mm-hmm. "Are you sure, sweetheart, that you want to be well?" The politics and mental of mental health and long suffering and Tody K. Bombars, the Salt Eaters, and she says. Bambara's description of Minnie's practice suggests a science of the mind and body that allows Minnie to see and step into her patients, a practice that Toni Morrison's healer, Consola, used to keep others alive in paradise. Where Consola utilizes this practice, which is like a touch, like a, um, like a spiritual touch mm-hmm. on characters who are near physical death, Minnie employs the practice in order to give her parents, her patients self and wholeness. By answering the body of the patient as a force of light or energy, Minnie effectively discovers and exposes the abnormalities and disturbances to the patient. Minnie listens to the body and uses tapping, humming, and music to bring the patient back into alignment with her body. She would lean her ear to the chest or place her hand at the base of the spine till her foot tap and head bob till it was too melodious once more. Minnie's healing ritual seeks to bring balance back to the patient in Velma's case, a spiritual balance through a therapeutic medi- meditation that only occurs within the patient. So, I like that point because not only is Minnie being healed physically, she's being healed mentally mm-hmm. and spiritually. Yep. So, Minnie... Velma, I'm sorry. Velma is being healed mentally, mentally spiritually and spiritually. So, Minnie... Minnie is in charge of that Mm -hmm. and by touching her in a loving way she's trying to get her body and her spirit to reconnect Mm -hmm. so that you know that she could be a conduit of whatever Minnie is trying to tell her like she's like a light a light source Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so you know Velma herself is also she has um spiritual powers of just of being in tune with other spirits mm-hmm. so in the book it talks about the mud women um in the church and also in different places and velma could talk to them but she always pushed it into the back of her mind but what Minnie is trying to do is just like don't run away from your heritage don't run away from your gifts come back to them they'll make you whole they're yeah. part of you it's really really important you know
0: yeah yeah you're absolutely
1: right what are your overall? thoughts of the book I thought that this book was probably one of the most difficult books that I've ever read
0: I agree. in my life I agree it was, just,
1: it was really really difficult but I still learned a whole lot about just a black woman just getting help when she really really needs it um, I learned about how you know you would think that the medical field would um would really help, but they don't. Mm-hmm. You know, black people really have a very finicky and interesting relationship with medicine mm-hmm. because you know, black, when we were slaves, black women would just use as guinea pigs for a founding gynecological, well, you no, know, just for for experiments. Yep, like gynecological experiments without any anesthesia. Yep, and then you have the syphilis experiment down to Tuskegee the people of Tuskegee so we've been used as guinea pigs before and then you also have inst- institutionalized racism in the health field in hospitals in clinics where people don't think that you don't deserve as much pain medicine as as other people or other races because you're black oh we can't withstand the pain right. you know right. so we have a really like finicky um, relationship in regards to the healthcare field, so what this book has shown me that sometimes you don't just need that; you need prayer, you need a spiritual healer, you need your sisters, you need you need a group of people to help you heal.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt like you know she pointed out um, ha- one being in the right mindset to heal. Right, like you you want you have to want to heal in order to heal. So Exactly. It, it won't work if you're not ready for it. That having the proper medicine, if that's what your healing requires and having the proper resources and um, people that back you to help you push through this, because there's going to be times where you're going to want to fall back and be like, no, nah, I'm good. Or this was too hard. But if you continue to have the positive motivation, the people that are there, the people that see you falling and tr- you know help you help pick you up i feel like you know she made a she made that very 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 clear in this book of you know those are the the tools that you really need to you know heal i
1: just wanted to read this is a long section but i think it's so important because it encapsulates it all the things that we're talking about in the book and it's called um are You Sure, Sweetheart, That You Want to Be Well, The Politics of Mental Health and Long Suffering, in Tony Cape Bambara's The Salt Eaters. And this is done by Belinda Waller Pearson. So this this is in conclusion. She says Bambara's act of writing a novel hinges on one particular Black woman descent into mental illness and struggle towards a functional state of wellness is, I argue, not only an assertion of Black women's selfhood and vulnerability, but ultimately a demonstration of power in spaces where these things are vehemently denied. Hooks claims that Black female self-discovery, like all self-discovery, is an expression of a liberatory political practice by choosing wellness as an act of political resistance. Velma affirms this notion when she proclaims towards the end of the healing ceremony that health is my right. Velma, as an activist at the front lines of insanity and an inheritor of spiritual giftedness, embodies the danger of cultural estrangement and the power of individual and collective awareness. One, one initial conclusion that emerges from reading The Soul Eaters along the hooks, Scissors of the Yams, and Kleisman definition of illness is that understanding Velma's illness within the broader context of social. Movements and community is vital to contemporary discussions of health and wellness for Black women who, like Velma, give themselves so to justice service movements that fail to recognize or prioritize their subject positions. This neglect continues to place Black women in precarious situations as their labor is increasingly rendered invisible and the sacrifices that they make at times contradict their own best interests and personal health. However, Black women already have what they need to sustain themselves and one another. A legacy of stories that touch and heal. Hook recalls the following. This is in um, Sisters of the Am. This morning as I went for walking meditation, I felt as though the world around me, the birds, the flowers, the newly cut green grass, was all a soothing balm. The kind Big Mama would spread on various parts of our body for any little old ailment. We thought her homemade songs had magical healing powers when we were children. Now I am convinced that the magic, that the power to heal resided in her warm, loving hands, hands that knew how to touch us and make us whole, how to make the hurt go away. Wholeness the of being complete and intact, even in the face of physical fragmentation, is accessible through connections to other Black women who carry within them the strength and legacies of their diasporic for mothers. <laughs> questions of wellness that emerge within the novel find their answers in histories that thrive outside westernized modes of knowledge. To be well insane as a black woman, sorry, to be well insane as a black woman requires both honest introspection and collective reaffirmation. In order to answer many questions in the affirmative, Velma, and by extension, black women, must reaffirm healthy relationship with one another with one another, that create and sustain pathways towards wholeness and reprioritize Black women's health in the larger domain of social judges movements. Wow. That is basically the book in a nutshell. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> like, when you look at the Black Panthers and, you know, other, you know, um, very radical, liberatory movements, mm-hmm. yes, they had women there, but and they had them in leadership roles, but they still wasn't given enough power like the other men right or they just went was, they wasn't allowed to really do what do what they want and really if you really look at it um black black woman really was like the the, the foot and the hands of the movements with the breakfast um program mm-hmm. or different teaching um teaching uh what's the word powwows and everything they were there Mm -hmm. they were there in the marches they were there cooking the food they were there singing they were really there to really lift up to uh, with the men to lift up the black race and to bring freedom and liberty for all but as usual when you have white supremacists thinking um and and ideas kind of infiltrate you know our um our own culture then you know you'll have the patriarchy you'll have the sexism and all that so and that in itself causes stress problems which you talked about which you talk about in another podcast that can that can um really be detrimental to black women's health that could cause depression and other other mental illnesses and you know you should you'll, you'll totally neglect yourself like for example when she needed to ha- you know she had her period and you know she had like a um like a napkin she could even get like a just a regular you know pad from someplace because she wanted to stay in the meeting and and listen to everything or when she was outside you know trying to make sure everything was okay with the um with the event she still had no pads right. like she totally neglected herself yeah. you know and it's just you're so busy trying to save everybody else but you're not saving yourself and what this book is saying is that you need, to, you need to know yourself first and then have a group of black women or just a group of a network of people being able to reaffirm you so that when you go back out there to fight for, for, for freedom, for fight for, for liberation, you know who you are and you know what you want exactly And you're not going to be tired. Exactly. What would you give the book? Like, how many stars? I gave
0: it four for the um, information she provided. Um, I think it's very important, still relevant today, still useful for today. I think it was how the book was presented. And not everything that um, is linear is understandable. This was really confusing. And it took me yes. a um, took me longer than normal when I would read to understand. I had to find resources outside of actually reading the book to understand to get the, to get a breakdown. Yes. So I was watching YouTube's. Um, I was looking up different articles to better understand. Like I don't I don't know if I'm getting this. Like, what does this mean? What is what is she trying to say? So then the, I had to go and get outside sources to give me a better understanding of what I was reading so that is the only reason why I didn't give it five stars Mm. yeah
1: I would give it a 3.5 to about a four myself Mm. um I wasn't really used to the, long, the non-linear way or the stream of conscience way that she was writing, but there were some really beautiful passages in there, especially the healing um, passages that we highlighted in the episode that I really, really liked. Mm-hmm. And I just really liked that she centered this around Black women's experience. Absolutely. Um, so yes, I enjoyed the book and um, yeah, it was great.
0: Awesome. welcome to the segment of the show we call girl talk in this segment we are taking a moment to prioritize our mental and emotional health by checking in with each other discussing life bookish news and sharing some helpful self-care tips hey girl how are you i'm fine how are you i'm good can't complain uh so what you got for us in bookish news today so, you know, it's award season, it's the fall,
1: especially for books, this is, a, this is a really busy time and kind of interesting um, and amazing time as well. So the National Book Awards um, will be announced on November 18th. And I kind of just wanted to um, discuss some of the nominees. Okay. So for fiction, the long-listed includes, included The Vanishing Half, by Britt Bennett, which I loved. Yes. If I had two wings, by Randall Keenan. Um, A burning by Megha Medga- Maggie Dumdar.
0: A burning.
1: Um, to look that and up. And so we have Interior Chinatown by Charles Yu. Shaggy Brain by Douglas Stewart. This book I'm really excited about. What? The Secret
0: Lives of Church Ladies Ooh. by Denisha yes that book is flipping amazing and she <laughs> if she doesn't win i'm gonna be so upset well yeah, like, you know I'm, I'm all about all the black winning you know, oh my gosh that book is amazing like it oh you, you gotta read it you gotta read it it's an absolute must I can tell you right now, it is my top favorite book of 2020. As crappy as this year has been, that book has been the book for me. Absolutely love it. And since me being a church girl, I definitely see what these church movies are about. Right? And you know what's interesting about that book is that it's not... When, when you read the title, you're kind of like, oh, it's about church people and all the stuff that, you know... The gossip and all this stuff that happens in church it actually isn't is it it isn't very churchy churchy it's way better <laughs> it's so good
1: there's leave the world behind by run man Alon and the children's bible by lydia Malay.
0: i heard about the children's bible and i heard it was like a weird but must read kind of book so I uh, requested it from my library. We'll
1: see how that goes. And now with the, Nation- the National Book Award nominees for nonfiction, I'm actually reading one of the books right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, this is about Malcolm X. It's called The Dead Are Arising, The Life of Malcolm X. And this was written by Les Payne and Tamara Payne.
0: How far are you um, into the book?
1: Um, I just started the introduction. But I'm hoping to finish it in the next couple of weeks. But it looks very, very good.
0: Okay. I also
1: read the the biography by Dr. Maribel Manning, which was amazing. One of the best biographies I've ever read. So I just want to see, I wanted to see um, Les and Tamara's um, perspective Mm -hmm. of what Malcolm X was about.
0: Yeah, I actually just placed an order for that book. So it should be coming here real soon. But my because November is nonfiction November month if you're in the book community you know what that is and it's just basically uh, making nonfiction books more of a priority this month and I have selected that book as one of you know ones that that I want to read so I just placed my order for it so as soon as it gets in I'm jumping on it I'm thinking it's probably going to take me until the end of the month to um, complete but yeah I'm really excited about it sounds very very interesting
1: Um, we also have How to Make a Slave and Other Essays by Gerald Walker, also a finalist. And we also have Unworthy Republic, The the Dispossession of Native Americans and the Road to Indian Territory by Claudio Sant, And lastly, we actually have The Undocumented Americans. I'm going to say the author's name is Carla Cordonejo. I'm Mm -hmm. not going to pronounce the last name just to be respectful. But... um, She's also a finalist, and also Jill Lapore was nominated, and also a book called It's Rape a Crime in a, a memoir, an investigation, and a manifesto by Michelle Baller. Now, for the other part that I like, well, the other section that I like mostly is young people's literature. Mm-hmm. So, for first of all, I wanted to, to talk about the long list, which had a lot of representation. Mm -hmm. First you had Lifting As We Climb: A Black Woman's Battle for the Ballot Box um, by Yvette Dion. Um, We had Cemetery Boys by Aiden Thomas. I also read the book and it's one of my favorite books of the year. And then we have How We Got to the Moon, The People, Technology, and Daring Feats of Science by, behind Humanity's Greatest Adventures. Um, Also, Everybody's Looking, by Candice Lowe, which is also a finalist. Mm-hmm. And when the starts are scattered by Victoria Jamison and Albert Mohammed. Nice. So, speaking of awards, we also have some other awards that are really, really important called the MacArthur Genius Grant that was also um, awarded not too long ago. So N.K. Jemison, um, who actually four years ago, she launched a Patreon campaign to allow her to quit her day job and work as a full-time writer. She landed one of the MacArthur Foundation Genius grants, which is a grant of $6,225,000. Wow. With strings attached.
0: Wow. Good for her.
1: Now, this is really important because she's one of the best science fiction fantasy authors ever.
0: Yes, I agree. I, I I could compare her to another one that would be, she'd she come right next to um, Octavia Butler for me. Yes, like right next. Yep. Like she blew me away
1: with the season, the fifth season series, and then her other books are also really good as well.
0: Yes. Oh, I'm so excited for her. That's good. So
1: she was nominated, and there was also another author uh, Jacqueline Woodson also won a MacArthur Award, and she wrote *Red at the Bone*, which I really enjoyed. There's one last author. So the, the the last author that I wanted to spotlight is Tressie McMillan Cotton. She wrote *Thick*, which is probably one of the best nonfiction books I've ever read in my life. Yes, like her her essays, like totally like literally changed my life especially her um, article about, not her article, her essay about beauty, mm-hmm. it changed It changed me totally. Wow. Like, it just, it, just, it, re- it just really showed me that I really need to really take time to know myself mm-hmm. and kind of block white supremacist thinking and ideals because they were all created to make us think that we're lesser than when we're not.
0: Right, right.
1: And she also writes about um when she was pregnant and you know, her experience, um, you know, being pregnant in a I guess in a health environment that really wasn't conducive to her or just not helpful at all. Mm-hmm. So it was a really, really good book and I love her nonfiction as well.
0: Awesome. Since March we've been in a pandemic. And I've been working from home for eight months now. Yeah, eight months. And I just got word yesterday that they are now extending that until summer of 2021. So I'm asking you, Chanel, my friend, how have you been dealing with the pandemic? Like, because I know it can... it. I'm an introvert already but the fact that you know we had a lockdown in the beginning of the pandemic and I've been like I don't I don't know I feel like it made it worse even though I'm I'm an introvert I don't know if that makes any sense um it's been kind of hard Mm -hmm.
1: um, I was I was working from home um and that was kind of difficult because sometimes my dad would need help and I would need to be, be working and that was hard to balance mm-hmm. and then um I just had a really hard time not being able to go out anywhere like going out to eat or going to the movies by myself because those, those, those I love going to the movies by myself it's, it's like one of my treats you know I get my fifty dollars worth of snacks <laughs> sit down and I watch my movie you know yeah. I, just, I love doing that but not being able to do that kind of killed me because I'm like dang that's that's actually one of the main things I love to do and not being able to go to church and just fellowship and sing on the praise team. Mm-hmm. It was really a downer. I did eventually go and sing, but it was after a few months and it's, it's hard. Um, it's been rough and especially dealing with depression mm-hmm. when you're really not able to talk to your loved ones or see them in person. It could be difficult. Um, and I've had, ai had a couple of really like um, close calls in mm-hmm. regards to my, my mental um Not mental condition, but just m- mentally, I was struggling yeah. and, um, I had to really pull back and thanks to my sister and my my dad, who are my angels and my salvations, you know they came they came through for me, and they helped me in a lot of ways. I'm really thankful for them and um right now it's I think this whole season has just taught me to take take better care of myself mm-hmm. if anything. If I don't do anything else, I need to take my medication so I could be at the baseline and I could be functional. Because if I don't take my medication, then I'm not functional. How am I going right. to be of help to anybody and can't, I can't even help myself? Right. So it's really important that I at least do that so that I can be functional and be able to do, to do what I need to do. Um, mm-hmm. And I, it's also caused me to be more creative. Like we created this podcast.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I'm able to read a lot more. I, I met new people. I met you. Mm-hmm. you know, we're great friends so it brought out a lot of great things it just taught me just to put myself first actually have a really great facial regimen that nice. I that I was able to create so it's just like it's been it's been a good thing and a bad thing but mm-hmm. I just I hope for the future that I, I take all my lessons that I learned mm-hmm. and you know move forward into being a better Chanel
0: oh that's awesome I've always wanted to work from home and now I actually got the opportunity. It's weird, you know, starting to exercise again. Um, I'm—I don't want to say I'm reading more because I'm—I've always been reading, but it's the books that I'm reading. I, whenever I feel down or feel some kind of way, I tend to um, run to towards YA and middle grade yeah. reads. Yeah, like in the last month, yeah, month. I have consumed so much YA because I, the I, books are so good. Like, what? they're good, but they're like, it's. I don't want to say they're easygoing, but um, it's the how it's being presented right. to me as an adult, and it's one of those books where it's like I don't have to overly think yeah. about it. I can just read and enjoy the book, and I think that's been giving me a lot of pres- uh, pleasure to just read and enjoy the book. And I feel the need to like overly analyze it. So um, just that um, I had stopped the beginning of the year. I started book journaling and then a little after March I stopped. So I picked that up again. So I'm, I'm book journaling again. I like the fact that I can go in and write, you know, little notes about each book that I've read and I've um, displayed uh, like, I have this little uh, book that I have and I've just, I printed out like the covers of the books and I just kind of, Yeah, I'm just making it a little more creative, but um, it's just giving me an outlet. So I usually do it like once Mm -hmm. a week, but it's giving me an outlet. And I'm going back to the things that I love and focusing on that, especially during the pandemic, has been a huge help for me mentally. So it's been hard, but I found a light at the end of the tunnel, and things are definitely getting better for sure. Okay, so speaking of the books that we're reading, I'm actually... I completed mm-hmm.
1: reading a, a few and I'm actually mm-hmm. I'm actually kind of you know catching up on my reading challenge I'm at 65 of 100 books I still have roughly Boom. 30 to
0: read. that's <laughs> awesome
1: but I'm gonna get it together I'm gonna get it together so the books that stood out for me were Legend Born by Tracy Dion mm-hmm. very good very creative I love the the protagonist and the story and the world building and the authorian um like you know british connection um i Uh thought it was a bit too complicated for me but i'm really looking towards towards the next book to see how she kind of fleshes out the characters and how the see how the magic Mm -hmm. system works but i really loved it I also read The Rage of Dragons. I thought I was going this book was gonna be a hate read, but I actually really like uh-huh. this book. This is like um even winter and it was very it's very uh-huh. action-packed. Um a lot of um like women-centered mythology, really great mm-hmm. um magic system. I really enjoyed it, really, really enjoyed it. Um, another book I read was Black Women, Black Love, America's War on African-American Marriage, which I think we'll actually be reading in February. Um, it's it's mm-hmm. just a really interesting look about Black marriages and how the U.S. culture and just government and just any type of white supremacist, like just white supremacist um, ideals have been really chipping down and chipping down on Black love. Um, so that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like they're against the Black family, Black love, Black foundation. So it was a really eye-opening um, book. And it's by Dr. Diane M. Stewart. Um, the books mm-hmm. that I'm reading right now, I'm reading Red Comet, The Short Life and Blazing Art of Sylvia Path. This is by Heather Clark. Mm-hmm. Um, this book is over a thousand pages and it's very detailed, wow. but it really gives a really... Three dimensional um, look at the author Sylvia Plath's life. She just didn't kill herself, you know. Like she was, she was a visionary. She was a genius. She was a force to be working with. And it, it was really, it's really interesting to read about white women's lives um, in the 1950s and 60s. Um, it's just a, it's yeah, a yeah. good way to really see um, women's life in the 1940s and 50s. It's very interesting. And I'm also reading a book called. The Dead Are Rising, by um, the Life of Malcolm Mess, which was not, which has been shortlisted for a National Book Award. This mm-hmm. is pretty interesting, and um, I'm also reading like, I'm reading a sutras book to get to help with my yoga certification. So those are th- those are the books yeah. that I'm basically concentrating on.
0: Nice. Well, I'm all, always, always, always reading. Um, I just completed my year of um, Helen Oyomi. Okay. Yeah, I read all her books in order of publication. And the last book that I read was White Witch. Mm-hmm. White is for witching. And I thought it was, I thought it was mm-hmm. amazing. I, she's such a different writer. And I could see how people could be quickly turned off by her books. But for me she has imagination mm, right you know what i mean and I, I like the way she thinks so I, I really 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 enjoy her books um next year she has a new book coming out i forget the title of it but i'm really excited for that one so i'm definitely gonna read that one um so that I finished that and what i'm currently reading like other books is right so i'm also reading mind of my mind i'm doing year of of octavia butler's books and that's the second one in the series so my goal is to complete all of her books by the end of the year and i kind of slacked over the summer so now i'm just kind of playing catch right. up is so, it the, the pattern so.
1: Maker series
0: okay yes yeah so this is the second book uh, wild seed was the first okay. one so, and wild so. seed is
1: actually one of my favorite octavia butler books
0: Really, I love number
1: one. That's how I started getting into futurism and fantasy. I was like, Mm -hmm. "This is really interesting. This is not you know. You think everything's demonic, you know? You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, it's
1: not demonic. This is actually really interesting.
0: Yeah, I I love this. Absolutely, I give it five stars. I love
1: it. I feel like I was kept from so many books because I was afraid or I didn't understand. The, the what was really going on but when you read it and you're like oh my goodness I feel totally related mm-hmm. to this it's like a whole new world you know mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. so my goal is like I'm obviously reading all her books in order of publication mm-hmm. Not well at first I was doing an order of publication but then I realized some of the books were written like 1994 and one was written in 2000 but the one written in 2000 was meant to be the first book and not the second right. book so I had to revamp that earlier in the year and I started reading by um, series. So I did her standalone and her short stories first and then now I'm working on the series that she has. So yeah, that's where I'm at with that. So my goal, priority for reading purposes, my goal is to finish all of her books by the end of the year. And I know I have a feeling I'm going to make it. That sounds good. Yes, ma'am. Um, so we are now in the fall, and there are a gang of books being released right now because during the pandemic, a lot of books got held back, and they've been pushed back to the fall. So, what are you anticipating, release-wise, for this season?
1: I already uh, the two books I was really looking forward to is the Red comic and the Malcolm X book, but the book I was mm-hmm. I'm really, 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 really excited to read. Is a promised land by um President Barack Obama. A 700 page yes, book about his life mm-hmm. in the White House. Sign me up immediately.
0: <laughs> yeah. He, he's a yeah. great
1: author and orator, so I really can't wait to read all the all the juicy details and the tea and the political tea, you know. I'm
0: all about mm-hmm. the tea, so
1: I'm really excited to read that.
0: Yeah. I definitely have that one on pre-order, so I can't wait. For me, um, is a uh, promised land as well and then another book this is an uh, author that's new to me um, her name is kenya hunt the book is called girl 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 on a womanhood on womanhood and belonging in the age of black girl magic i um attended the well-read black girl virtual book mm-hmm. fest and she was there and she read a passage from her Ooh. book and it was really good and i'm very grateful that the um publishers gifted me a arc that's, of the book awesome. so yeah so for the month of December this book is part of my um not December for the month of November this book is part of my nonfiction November read so I'm really excited about good. that mm-hmm. so you know we're always talking about um mental health and self-care and you know How do we make things better for Mm -hmm. us? Do you have any tips to share with the listeners this week? Any tips to
1: share? Mm -hmm. Well,
0: I guess my tip is
1: how to walk away from stressful situations. Because, you know, sometimes you can get into it with your family members or your dad. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) instead of saying stuff that you might regret, and especially if you're dealing with mental illness and you don't want it to blow up, you have to sit down mm-hmm. and walk away. That's as simple as that. Walk away from the situation, go outside, mm-hmm. get some fresh air, gain some great perspective, think out loud, talk to Jesus or whoever mm-hmm. your spiritual advisor is, or you talking to yourself. Calm yourself down mm-hmm. and go back in with a, a mm-hmm. go back in with a peaceful mind. A non-confrontational mm-hmm. mind and work it out. Because if you're That's if you're angry, tip. of course, anger is good if you use it in the right way. But if you're angry and there's no no way to kind of process your anger, you can really end up hurting someone by saying something that you mm-hmm. don't mean. So I would say definitely, if you're in a situation where things are getting heated, do yourself a favor and just leave and walk around. It literally will. <laughs> make your mind a lot, a whole lot easier
0: no absolutely I agree sometimes it's not easy to walk away but it's necessary to kind of um, check yourself before you react you know great. what I mean yeah that's a great tip um, for me um, one of the things that I have been um, that's been helping me stress wise mentally is baking hmm. yeah I've been baking cookies like crazy <laughs> It's just me and my daughter. And I don't know why, but the the process of adding all the ingredients and baking it and then filling up my home with the smell of fresh baked cookies have been giving me a lot of joy the last talking? few weeks.
1: Are you gonna be sending me some cookies?
0: Um, yeah, if you want to.
1: <laughs> White chocolate macadamia.
0: I got you. <laughs> so um My tip for the week would be to find something that brings you joy um, in a sense of like baking or sewing, anything um, that allows your mind to be creative. I highly recommend um, using it as a stress tool to help you get through those moments.
1: Okay. Join us on our next episode as we dive deep into the topic of depression and faith with our next books, Transcendent Kingdom by Yaa Ghasi and Bipolar Faith, A Black Woman's Journey with Depression and Faith by Dr. Monica Coleman.
0: Those are going to be some heavy, heavy reads. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope we have inspired you and helped you find tools to make your life just a little bit easier. To continue this conversation, you can stay in touch with us on Instagram at Ebony Musings, And if you haven't done so already, please leave us a review. It would really help our show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.